Welcome back to the Der Show. I hope you like my sweatshirt. Um, my wife got it for me uh, last night. We went to an off-Broadway show called The Old Man and the Pool. It was hysterical. It was really great. And they had shirts uh, saying the old man, so my wife couldn't resist. So I'm probably the only old man that has a shirt saying the old man with a hoodie. So I'm an old man with a hoodie. And um, uh, the show was great. And Thank you to my wife for recognizing that she's 12 years younger than me. And so she, you know, can take advantage of that and call me an old man. She's a young woman. In any event, today I want to talk about Elon Musk. Um, as you probably know, the producer of the show is my son, Elon. And um, he was named Elon before Elon Musk was named. But we know we know and love the name. Um, and the question is, what will be the effect of Elon Musk finally, if it's true, um, buying uh, a Twitter. Elon may be the richest man in the, in the world. We don't know what his wealth really consists of, because a lot of it is obviously in uh, stock, which could go up or, or down. But uh, he's certainly one of the wealthiest men on the face of the earth. And now he's going to buy Twitter, which is an enormously, enormously influential media platform. Until recently, Twitter moderated. You know what moderated means. Moderated is a euphemism for censored. Um, it censored things it didn't like. It, it not only censored, you know, pornography and uh, and and state secrets and uh, um, defamation and other kinds of things that are probably not protected by the First Amendment, but it also censored uh, things that are clearly not only protected by the First Amendment but within the core of the First Amendment. Lies. First Amendment doesn't distinguish between truth and lies. Uh, and who determines who's telling the truth and who's lying anyway? And uh, hate speech. Uh, hate speech is the essence of the of the First Amendment. If, if it will love speech, nobody would try to ban it. The First Amendment is designed to protect things that everybody wants to ban. Uh, and, and, and people just don't seem to understand that free speech for me, but not for the... I've mentioned this before when I taught a class. Everybody supported the First Amendment, except when it came to A, B, C, D, pornography, uh, you know, racial slurs, Holocaust denial. Everybody has an exception. And the exception, of course, eats up the First Amendment. But now we have a concerted effort by activist organizations on the left to threaten Elon Musk with boycotts uh, unless he engages in a regime of censorship. Let me read you from a letter written by organizations, including the NAACP, the Center for American Progress, GLAAD, Global Project Against Hate and Extremism. And here's the, the veiled threat. We, the undersigned organizations, call on you to notify Musk and publicly, publicly commit that you, these are the advertisers, the major advertisers, will cease all advertising on Twitter globally if he follows through on his plans to undermine brand safety, I don't know what that means, brand safety, um, uh, and community standards. That's exactly what the First Amendment is designed to protect against, community standards. It's supposed to protect against things that the community hates and violates their standards, um, including gutting uh, content modification. Uh, the letter means basically that Musk must not roll back the procedures that Twitter has on the books now, and he has to commit himself to enforcing these rules. In other words, 
Twitter advertisers have been asked to boycott Twitter unless it continues to censor. When I was growing up, there was a debate over censorship. But the interesting thing, it was the hard right McCarthyites who said, we have to censor. We can't allow communists to speak. We can't allow communists to be on television. We have to cancel them. We have to censor them. That was the right. And it was the left that said, no, no, free speech, the marketplace of ideas. And now it seems to have shifted completely. And and the hard left is terrified of free speech. They're terrified of Elon Musk. They're terrified of the marketplace of ideas. I wish they would go back and read what Thomas Jefferson wrote about this. I can, I can actually show it to you because this is the original letter that, that Jefferson wrote. I have the original. This is the only copy in the world. It includes uh, the address, uh, the Frank Mark, and it includes the relevant paragraph that I will read to you. What happened is uh, a minister got up and, and, and said that free speech should be censored if it advocates things that are wrong. And, and, and Jefferson argued with him about that. And here's his final paragraph, and this is key. But we have nothing to fear from the demoralizing reasoning of some, that is the people who would be on Twitter and who they want to censor. We have nothing to fear from the demoralizing reasoning of some if others are left free to demonstrate their errors marketplace of ideas if both sides get presented and that's what elon musk wants to do and especially when the law stands ready to punish the first criminal act produced by false reasoning and then the key sentence these are safer correctives than the conscience of a judge who would be making the censorship i can imagine that he would be Jefferson would be even more worried if it wasn't done by a judge, but by an invisible, non-transparent, non-accountable CEO of a company who was accountable only to the stockholders who were interested in nothing but profits. And to leave that to Elon Musk or to Zuckerberg or to the head of other corporations uh, or to... Facebook has set up a censorship committee and Elon Musk is considering a commission to uh, evaluate uh, what to censor. That's not what Jefferson wanted. In fact, this letter, when I bought the letter, I wrote a whole book about the letter, a whole book about this one page letter called Finding Jefferson. If you want to get the book, it has a a wonderful endorsement by uh, President William Jefferson Clinton It has a wonderful endorsement by David McCullough, the great biographer who just recently died, and by Ken Burns, uh, the director of so many films, including the most recent one about the Holocaust, and Doris Kearns Goodwin, the biographer of uh, Abraham Lincoln and Lyndon Johnson and Franklin Delano Roosevelt and, and others. And in it, I talk about the letter, and I actually argue with Jefferson about the letter because there are points of it which I, I disagree with. And the, the uh, subtitle is A Lost Letter, A Remarkable Discovery, and the First Amendment in an Age of Terrorism. You'll be interesting how I got a hold of this letter. My son and I, I just had lunch, 
and we were walking around in New York. And I said, let's go to my favorite bookstore, the Argosy Bookshop, one of the last remaining really old bookshops. And they have a fifth floor upstairs where they have autographs. And so I went upstairs and I, I spoke to the owner and I said, do you have any Brooklyn Dodger autographs? Um, I, I'm looking for one of Carl Farillo. I don't have him. No, we don't have any Dodger autographs. I said, do you have anything by any chance by Adams or Jefferson or, or Washington? I collect letters. She said, you know, just the other day, somebody from Connecticut brought in a letter from Thomas Jefferson. I haven't really focused on it. It's all folded up and in the old envelope. And um, why don't you read it and tell me what's in it? Wow. <laughs> I opened up this letter and I'm holding in my hand the same piece of paper that Thomas Jefferson held in his hand on the eve of the 25th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. It's literally written on the night of July 3rd, 1801, 26, 25 years to the day after Washington, uh, after Jefferson drafted the, the Bill of Rights. And I looked at it and I said, wow, what do you want for it? And she said, $10,000. And of course, my instinct is always to bargain. But on my in my head, I said, my God, I'll take it, of course. But I asked her if she would take 9000 No, I'm going to get $10,000. And I said, oh, would you throw in this book by Groucho Marx. I know my son liked Groucho Marx. It was probably worth $10. All right, I'll throw that. So I bought the Jefferson letter and had it uh, framed. And I bought it on a Friday. By Monday, I had written 10,000 words of this book. I was so inspired by holding in my hand a letter by, by the great, if flawed, Thomas Jefferson. If flawed, of course, you can add to the name of every single leader and hero in the world. There is no such thing as a hero without flaws. It's interesting. I'll take a digression here for a minute. Some of you may find this interesting. There is an enormous difference between the Jewish Bible on the one hand and the Christian Bible and the Muslim Quran on the other hand. Why? Uh, in the New Testament, Jesus is perfect. He is without sin. He is without fault. He does everything right. In the Quran, Muhammad is perfect. In fact, you can be beheaded if you say anything critical. Look what happened to Salman Rushdie. Um, they tried to kill him because he said something critical. In the Jewish Bible, everybody is flawed. You know, Abraham almost kills his son. Moses uh, kills an Egyptian. Uh, you know, Jacob and, and Jacob's uh, sons kidnap Joseph. It's, a, it's, it's, it's the real world. It, it's almost like a... You know, a, a, a TV uh, law and order show filled with crime and adultery and 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 hatefulness. Um, and the reason I think that the Jewish Bible has been so influential is it's real. It focuses on flawed human beings struggling to do to do justice, and 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 that's what we have to recognize. Of course, Jefferson was flawed. Of course, Abraham Lincoln was flawed. Abraham Lincoln probably came closer to any other American leader to be perfect, but partly because he died young. Um, it's easier to be perfect if you live less long. Um, uh, on the other hand, John Kennedy, who lived even less, much, much further from perfection. You know, Lincoln didn't have a good relationship with his wife, maybe even with his son. And he wrote some terrible things about African-Americans who he freed from slavery, but he didn't think they were able to live together with whites in, in the United States. Um, 
There's nobody, not Nelson Mandela, not Bishop Tutu, nobody who's without flaw. And of course, the New Testament says that, not in terms of Jesus, but with Jesus saying, he who is without fault, let him cast the first stone. That's a brilliant recognition of the deeply flawed nature of human beings. And it's precisely because human beings are so deeply flawed that we need a First Amendment. You know, the extremists, including people I talked about yesterday, the conspiracy theorists from the right and the left, they think they have access to the truth. Capital T, capital T, the truth. And if you know the truth, what do you need to send? What do you need freedom of speech? We know the truth. We don't have to have a marketplace of ideas. Just sell one product, the, the, the truth. What do we need due process? We know that a woman who accuses a man, of course, is telling the truth. And of course, the man is lying. What do you need a trial for? Just put the guy in jail if a woman accuses him. I wrote a book about that called Guilt by Accusation. But in America and the framers of our Constitution, as James Madison said, if men were angels, if human beings were angels, if women were angels, we wouldn't need constitutions and laws. It's because we're all deeply flawed that we need rules. And the most important rule that reflects the flaws of human beings is the First Amendment that says there's no such thing as a false opinion. As I've said before many times, people have said everybody has a right to their own opinions, but not their own facts. As far as opinions are concerned, the First Amendment has nothing to say about that. If you think that somebody is a terrible, terrible human being, uh, without specifying why, um, you, know, you can you can you can probably say that. Now, sometimes we don't know the difference between facts and opinions. The Earth is flat. It's an opinion, but it's an opinion about a fact, and it's demonstrably false. Um, and there are other opinions as well. We talked about them yesterday. The idea, and we'll talk about this in the letters as well. The idea that uh, Pelosi was attacked by uh, an underwear-wearing uh, gay prostitute you know, does not seem on its face. To be factually correct, and therefore, you know, it's it's something you can't have an opinion about unless you make assumptions about facts. But free speech is very, very important, and we should always err on the side of permitting untruths rather than allow somebody the right to determine what is truth. I mentioned this before, but I did a lot of cases in the former Soviet Union, and um, I had a debate with one of the leading lawyers of the then Soviet Union comparing the United States and the Soviet Union in terms of free speech. And in the course of the debate, I handed over to him and I showed the audience uh, some, some terrible things that the Soviet system had allowed to get through and be read by the public involving Jews. And, and they were just awful. You know, Jews did this and Jews did that, and they killed Christian children and used their blood. I didn't want to repeat them. But but the, the guy from the Soviet Union, the lawyer, did something very smart. He was prepared for my argument. He reached into his briefcase, and he showed me stuff that's even worse, to kill the Jews, put them in gas chambers. Hitler didn't do enough. And he said to me, Professor Dershowitz, don't you admit that the material produced in America is far worse than the material allowed in the Soviet Union? I said, yes, I can see that. But there's one enormous difference. All the material produced in the Soviet Union had a stamp approved by Glovelet, approved by the Soviet censorship agency. 
that anti-Semitic rhetoric had the approval of the state, whereas the stuff about Holocaust denial or, or you know, gas chambers and Hitler should do more, approved by the Nazi party. The state didn't approve it, doesn't have the imprimatur of the government. There's an enormous, enormous difference. And how does that apply to Elon Musk? He's not the government. But Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, they are more influential than the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal put together. Um, they have, you know, millions and millions and millions of readers and viewers around the world. And if they engage in hate speech, it's going to be influential. You know, when I was growing up, probably when you were growing up, we had a little ditty that we sang. Sticks and stones can break your bones, but names will never harm you. Nonsense. It was another one of the lies that uh, uh, our, our, our families told us. Of course, uh, names can harm you. Um, um, names can kill you. Uh, people have been pushed to suicide by being called names. Uh, I get called names every day, every single day. In all the letters I get, I get called names. I have thick skin. But my wife gets called names. My children get called names. Names can hurt. But the framers of the Constitution of the United States made a choice, and it was a bold choice. It was an amazing experiment. The first time in the history of the world, of the world, there was a constitutional amendment that said, the government said Congress, but eventually it was uh, extended to the government. The government shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Wow. The people decide, not the government. What can be read, what can be seen, what can be spoken. Wow. What a dangerous idea. And it is a dangerous idea. And it hurts. And it costs plenty but it's what the framers had in mind. It's what Jefferson meant when he said that the better course is to open it up as long as others have a chance to rebut. And remember too, when the government censors, it allows only one side of the issue to be presented. And when Twitter censors, one side of the issue, not all the sides of the issue. And we don't trust people. Why don't you trust people to reject Bad ideas in the marketplace of ideas. Look, that doesn't always work. In many parts of the world, in some parts of this country, people not only believe but act on horrible, horrible ideas. But as Winston Churchill said, and I'll just paraphrase him, the only thing worse than free speech is the absence of free speech or, or censorship. So what's the alternative? Commissions, uh, committees, uh, people who are invisible making decisions about what we're smart enough to read and understand and, and reject. Is that really a better approach? I don't think so. And it's devastating to me as a person who came from um, the left to see how many people who call themselves progressives and woke are regressives and asleep at the wheel. Uh, it was John Stuart Mill who said that if you're asleep at the wheel, you lose all your liberties and all your freedoms. So these are not woke people. These are people asleep at the wheel. 
These are people who don't want to have a truthing process. They just want us to accept their version of the truth. So my message to you is, hey, Elon Musk, go ahead. Go as far as you can. You can't eliminate uh, censorship on illegal things. You can't have child pornography. You can't allow advertisements for things that are basically illegal. You can't uh, allow uh, exposure of where our satellites are located or the names of our spies. Okay. But when it comes to opinions, really bad and dangerous opinions, we're smart enough to reject them. Not everybody will reject them. There will be some harm done, but the harm doesn't compare to the enduring harm that will be done to our liberties if we go down the slippery slope towards censorship. So two and a half cheers for Elon Musk. I'm going to reserve the third tier to see what he actually does. But I hope that he rejects these demands from the NAACP and other organizations to reinstitute a system of censorship. And I hope he trusts the American people to decide what to reject and what to accept. All right, some letters. And the letters really have a lot to do with um, the marketplace of ideas. Remember, I said yesterday that, like, I don't know the facts of what happened to Paul Pelosi. There are still some things that have never been answered. Um, why didn't he lock himself in the bathroom when he went into the bathroom to call 9-11? Is it true that the windows were broken in, out rather than broken in? I don't know the facts there. Why don't we have the calls, the recordings uh, of the calls? Why didn't the police stop the guy when they were struggling over a hammer? Why didn't the police take the hammer away, grab the hammer? There may be good answers to those questions, and there may not be such good answers to those questions. But I don't think any of the answers will give rise to the kinds of nutty conspiracy theories that not only have been spread all over the medium, including on Twitter, but in my own emails. Let me just read you a couple. It was the husband's gay lover or maybe a threesome. Yeah, that's it. A threesome with Nancy Pelosi, who was in Washington, D.C. at the time. But what does that matter? She could have stretched out and reached and joined the hammer guy and her husband and had a threesome. Wow, that's not a conspiracy theory. Uh, It was not a break in. That's what this guy says. Uh, Let's see what else. Bullshit. He was having gay sex and went wrong over drugs. The break-in was from the inside, and Pelosi came out with the hammer. False flag. Dershowitz has been to Epstein Island. You always have to throw that in. Yeah, my wife, my daughter, and I, Professor Michael Porter and his family, we all went to Epstein's Island years before any women were on the island. He had just bought it. We had dinner there. We stayed over one night. My wife received a massage from a professional um, masseuse. Um, um, yes, I was there. But, uh, of course, there was no hanky-panky or nothing at all. But you have to throw that in to anything you say because that, that's part of conspiracy. You know, I also get these letters that the reason I have positions that I have must be conspiracy because the government has something on me. Okay? That's why I want everything revealed. That's why I want no secrets. That's why I want every deposition uncovered because I have something to hide. Nothing to hide. Sorry, folks. Uh, I don't even bother to listen, but it's 100% certain that Pelosi's attack was faked, signed by a UK 
critical thinker. He starts it by saying, I don't bother to listen, <laughs> but he's 100% sure and he calls himself a critical thinker. Thank you for providing me such good evidence of the conspiracy nuts. I'm, I'm happy to have conspiracy nuts write to me and, and listen to my show. Maybe I can persuade one out of 20 of you. I doubt it, but at least I'm going to try. Make sure you scold Hillary Clinton for going on TV and blaming Trump and his supporters. I do. I don't, I don't think you can blame Trump. I don't think you can blame um, anybody. I don't think you can blame San Francisco for being soft on crime. I think both sides are trying to weaponize and uh, benefit politically from this uh, tragic event. And so I don't think that's right, no matter who does it. And then some nice things. Alan Dershowitz is the undisputed heavyweight champion of lawyers. Hey, I'm trying to lose some pounds. I'd rather be a middleweight. Uh, but, hey, I take it as a compliment that I'm a heavyweight old man. But maybe in a few weeks we'll agree that I'm a middleweight or a welterweight or a light heavyweight, but not, not really heavyweight. And then there's cynicism. Back when I used to smoke cigarettes, I once forgot my lighter, so I gave a Jewish friend of mine a call and got the Jewish space laser to fire a beam down to light it up for me. Very cool. Keep up the good work of presenting true liberal values. Thank you. You're the other liberal. Um, me, my son, Elon, you, my wife, my other son, my daughter. Uh, we can count them on a few hands. Real liberals, people who totally support free speech and due process and don't say these things are for me, but not for uh, you. Somebody wrote something nice about um, how I deal with history and trials. And so they want to know, where can I find the series you write for the great trials in history? Well, two places. Number one, you can subscribe uh, through an organization called Gryphon. And about every month I do a trial with an introduction. I just finished a trial called the Star Spangled Scandal about, um, um, I think I may have mentioned this, about Francis Scott Key's son, who was a philanderer and was murdered in cold blood by the husband of a woman who he had sex with. That's my most recent one, but I've done them on everything. I've done them on, you know, the Lincoln Assassins, uh, Sacco and Vanzetti case, the Scopes trial. I've done them all. And you can get them from Gryphon. They're, they're not uh, particularly expensive. They're beautifully done. They're leather bound. And if you don't want to do that, I have a book. I have a book on everything, but I have a book called uh, America on Trial, in which I uh, have my view on the, I don't know, 70 or 80, maybe 100 uh, greatest trials in American history. And uh, I have an analysis of each of the trials. And you can get that on Amazon, um, America on Trial um, by, by me. Um, okay. Um, I love history and especially American history. And that is such a cool fact. Francis Scott Key prosecuted Jackson's would-be assassin. Yeah, that's true. For everything goes full circle. Key wrote the Star Spangled Banner during the Battle of Fort McHenry, during the War of 1812. And Andrew Jackson, before he was president, was a hero of that war. Most notably at New Orleans, about two weeks after the war officially ended, they didn't have email then, you know, of course, Juneteenth, uh, the story of that, how 
uh, African-American slaves were freed by the Emancipation Declaration, but because there were no emails, they didn't know about it. And they tragically remained enslaved until the Union troops told them, by the way, you're free. The president has, has freed you. And so that day is celebrated as a great day in American history when the shame of enslavement finally ended. Tragically, because of the assassination of Lincoln, a new shame came upon us. It was called Jim Crow. And it was really a continuum from slavery. Now, obviously, it's much worse to be a slave. But Jim Crow, uh, one of the aspects of Jim Crow was that uh, many, many uh, black men were falsely accused of minor crimes and put into prisons where they worked as slaves. They were sent to the cotton fields to pick cotton, doing exactly the same thing they did as slaves. And this time they weren't paid or even given decent meals. The 13th Amendment exempted um, prisoners, people who were convicted of crimes, and it didn't do enough to say, but they have to be real convictions and real crimes. Otherwise, you're just going to replicate slavery. And so uh, it does come full circle. And um, like you, I love history. And uh, um, and so let me let me let me end up with with final proof of my conspiracy theory. Here's the last uh, letter. Anyone who votes for a Democrat on 11-8-1922, that's me. Uh, in fact, I've already cast my vote uh, and I voted for Democrats. Um, I may have voted for one or two Republicans for judicial offices. I vote in Florida. I'm a Florida resident. Uh, but anyone who votes for Democrats, me, is a straight up communist. I hate communism. I worked against communism. I went to the Soviet Union to try to destroy communism. I represented people who are trying to undo communism. So I'm not a communist, but I vote Democrat most of the time. I'm also very critical of, of Democrats. But, you know, name calling, calling liberals communists, that's just another form of uh, McCarthyism. But the left does it too. They call Republicans racists and white supremacists. And and we have to stop that. We have to start bringing together true liberals and true conservatives who believe in basic American values of freedom and tolerance. And so I'll see you next week. And please write to me as much as you can and as critically as you're able to. Take care. <laughs>